What's up, Victory Church? I'm so glad that Pastor Troy has allowed me to have this opportunity to speak into your church. I'm really excited for what God is doing through you guys in Smyrna, Tennessee. Um, I'm a pastor here in Russellville. My name is Marie Scipio. I just want to share with you with what's on my heart currently. I know you guys just finished up a series on Philippians and what, what a great book. It's talking about unity and that's the takeaway. And, I'm, and I hope to kind of add to that story that you guys have already been doing in, uh, in the Gospels, I'm, I, I love how all how Jesus is represented in the Gospels. And John finds a way to capture the essence of Jesus that's completely different. And I just want to invite you guys on this journey of, of, of this story of Jesus. And we'll start with John chapter 1. And it says it this way. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was light to all mankind. I feel like right now in the middle of everything that's, that's taken place, we have to look at the light and the life of Jesus to understand what God has called us to do. I love how the Passion Translation of Paraphrase says it. It says it this way. It says, in the very beginning, the living expression was already there. The living expression was with God, yet fully God. They were together face to face in the very beginning. And through his creative inspiration, the living expression made all things, for nothing has existed has existence apart from him. Verse 4, and this is what we want to focus on. Life came into being because of him, for his life is light for all humanity. I feel like as I read this, this, this passage that this is a challenge for us as the church, that our life should be light to all humanity. You know, being a pastor, I, I get to be with people on their best day and, and sometimes their worst days. And in fact, the very rare occasions, I get to be, be with people on their last days. And my question would be to you is, how would you spend your last, your last day? Would you spend your time hanging out with friends or, or doing all these different activities, having fun? You know, I'm a basketball player, so I love playing basketball. So maybe on my last day, I would love to just be playing basketball. But Jesus spent his last day in a very particular um, way. And, and I want to learn from his last day. And maybe it could be a lesson for us to learn as the church right now as we're living in the last days. John chapter 13 begins with the last day of Jesus. And we, let's, let's follow this journey and see what Jesus does and what we can learn from his example. Because his life is light. John 13 verse 1 through 5, it says, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave his, his, this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Verse 2. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. He, he knew this is my last day, I've come from God, and now I'm returning to God. And here is his, his crowning moment, here, here is his moment right now, and this is what he chooses to do. Verse 4 says, so he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing and wrapped his towel around 
his waist. So I just want to paint this picture that they're having this meal. They understand that Jesus is king. He, and, and, and he is choosing to take off his outer garment to eventually wash feet. And I, I want to point out this outer garment, garment represents something. It, it represents social status. It represents who he was. And he was willing to take off all of his, all the due glory that he was due to wash the feet of his friends. It goes on and it says, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he was that was wrapped around him. I feel like God is calling us right now in the middle of everything taking place to follow this example that we see Jesus doing. Are you willing to take off your pride? Are you willing to take off your social status to wash the feet of others? I, I saw this quote and I just, I just want to share it. It simply says, it's impossible to serve God without serving other people. That God has called us to church to, to, to serve other people. That, that's our highest priority right now is, is to serve people. Martin Luther King said it this way. He says, everyone can be great because everyone can serve. And I feel like the first lesson that Jesus is teaching us as he's living in his last days is that we have to be humble and we have to be serving. We have to be humble and we have to be serving. Jesus continues in, in John chapter 14. He's, he's teaching us another example, and it reads this way. It says, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. So he's he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, right now the Holy Spirit is with you, but he's going to be in you. And Jesus is saying to us right now, he is sending another advocate. And when we look at this word advocate, it doesn't paint the full picture of what Jesus was trying to, to say. In fact, in the Amplified, it says, it reads it just like this. It says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter. And it breaks down seven different distinctions or functions of the Holy Spirit. And it says that he is a counselor. He is a helper. He is an intercessor. He is an advocate. He is a strengthener. And he is a standby. So, so Jesus painted this example. He, he wants to take our natural and add his super to it. That, that you got to be humble. You got to be serving in the world that you're currently living in. And the next thing is you have to be empowered. There's no way that you can live the life that God has called you to live apart from the empowerment and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit being on the inside of you. You know, being a parent right now in these difficult times, I don't know how you can parent apart from the leading of the Holy Spirit. Man, there, there, are, there are times and situations where God may be speaking to you as a parent or, 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 or as a dad and say, hey, I don't want you to let your kids get involved in this situation or, or this, uh, this other situation. That, that being a believer right now, apart from the, from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, is a very difficult and dangerous thing. Church, we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to live the life that God has called us to live. See, Jesus wants us to be humble, serving, and then he wants us to be empowered. It goes on in John chapter 14. He continues to share this story, to share this discourse. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will even be, 
so that will even be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So he talks about his word is what cleans us. It goes on and it says, remain in me also as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus is simply saying that we have to remain connected to him, that he is the life giving source. I know I know as a church you've been encouraged right now to be a part of a small group or or maybe you're watching right now at a watch party. I want to encourage that because this is what I believe. Being close to other people, proximity gives clarity. Like it helps you to understand yourself. In, in fact, in, in Genesis chapter three or just chapter two, when God creates Eve, Adam and Eve, he calls Eve and help me. And that word help me to help mate also means it, it bears this connotation of being a mirror. Like, like Adam doesn't fully see himself until he's looking into his, the eyes of his mate. That we don't fully know ourselves until we are in context or in relationship with other people. See, proximity gives clarity. See, you don't know you're selfish until you're placed in a position where you have to share your things with other people. It's kind of like, man, you, you go to McDonald's and, and you get a, a, a large french fry and now someone asks for some of your fries. And in that moment, it is now clear that you are a selfish person because you're like, no. Proximity gives clarity. And relationship is, is the bedrock of you being clear about who God has called you to be and how God wants you to walk out these relationships. And, and God has called us to, be, to live our lives in the context of relationship. Because relationships understand who we are and, and, and how, we, how, we, how we miss it sometimes. And in fact, for me, when my wife and I, we first got married, it was the, the saving grace for our marriage was we got involved in small groups at, a, at very, very early in our marriage. And I had to learn by being close to other men how to be a father. See, I grew up in a household where hugging and, and loving on each other was not something we did. And one day I was, I was at a household where I saw the, a, a mother and a father and her four, their four teenage kids all sitting on the couch, hugged up. And I thought to myself, first and foremost, this is weird, but I like it. And I want to have a family where all of us are close. And it was through these, these close relationships with other men that I learned how to be a godly father. And I'm still learning. I want to encourage you, Victory Church, if you're not a part of a small group, to get involved in one. Because, man, God has a plan and a purpose for your life, but it doesn't start and end with you. It involves other people. In fact, in John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus having a conversation with, with, with Philip, and he says it this way. He says, Jesus answered, because he asked... Philip asked Jesus, do you, show me the Father. And Philip, this is Jesus' response. He says, do you know me? Do you, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say to us, show us the Father? Jesus is revealing to, to, to Philip that proximity gives clarity. He's saying, I've been among you. Don't you see me? And, I, and I'm saying to you that every single one of us, we were created to be known and to be known by others. And God has called us to live a life that is connected. I believe that Jesus wants us to be connected. 
He wants us humbly serving. He wants us empowered by the Holy Spirit. And next, he wants us connected to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, him, and also to the body of Christ. See, scripture says that we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. God wants us connected. In John chapter 17, Jesus getting to the end of this discussion that he's having with the disciples and he begins this prayer. And I just want to read this prayer before I go any further. It simply says, after Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed. What a contrast to the way that we pray right now, culturally. That here in, in, in Jesus' time, his eyes are lifted up and his eyes are his head is lifted up and his eyes are open. Where right, right now we bow our heads, not saying anything's wrong with that. But look at what Jesus is doing. He he is he's engaged in a conversation with his father. He goes on and says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may, be, may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those he had given him. Now this is eternal life that you that they know you. He's talking about the disciples right now. This is eternal life that you simply know the Father. And, and I feel that like as, as Jesus having this, this deep, intimate conversation or prayer with his Father, that everything else fades to black. And, and it's just him and God right now. That he is, he is in a place right now. He continues to pray. He says, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. He says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. He's talking to his father. Verse five, says, and now father glorify me in your presence with the glory I have with you before the world began. I started this, this whole conversation asking, what would you do on your last day? We find Jesus washing the feet of those he came to die for. We find him talking about being empowered to live the life that God has called them to live. And there's going to be another help. He's, he's encouraging on his last day. We find Jesus um, connecting people. Hey, you got to be connected to the vine. I, I am the vine. So we find him giving instructions on, on, on the last day. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, his first, his first instruction was he, was he was telling people to be of this attitude. Now he's ending his life with a whole nother message, a whole nother sermon. And he's praying to God. He's, he's disappeared in prayer. And he begins to remember the disciples. And he, and he begins his discourse of prayer to, about the disciples. And then he gets to another part of prayer in John chapter 17, verse 20. And it's about us. And it says it this way. It says, my prayer is not for them alone. You see, he's not just talking about his disciples. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. It's amazing to me that Jesus is praying for his disciples and now he's praying for us to have this, 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 this sense of oneness. And I, I know that this is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because he saw 2020 clear as day. He saw divisiveness when it came to mask and, and approach and CDC and, and the World Health Organization. He, he saw the black and white issue way ahead of time. And his prayer right now is that we as his people would be one. I know you just read the book of Philippians and it's talking about unity. It's talking about how you should think. And now Jesus is praying for us as the church, the capital C church, to be one. It continues and it says, Father, just are you, just as you are in me, and I am in you, 
may they be also in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And now he is connecting our oneness to the world believing that he was sent by God. Church, we have so many opportunities right now to be divided. But what unites us is bigger than our, it's, it's stronger than our color. What unites us is simply the, the, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's, it's his blood. It's his life that he gave for us to be, to, to be this body that he, he is currently praying for. That, that think about it right now, church. We can be an answer to Jesus's prayer. It goes on and it says, May they also be in me so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world would know that you sent me and I have loved them even as you have loved me, I believe there's four things that Jesus is laying out for us to be as, as the church right now. And I believe it's a process. I believe that in order to us to get to this place where we're unified or, or we're one, we have to first start off humble and serving. And, and as we're humble and we're serving, we're, we're now serving other people. Now we have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the, the Holy Spirit is leading us. He's guiding us to love on people. He's giving us words of encouragement, words of wisdom to, to speak into the lives of our friends and our loved ones. And, and now we're speaking. We're, 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 we're in a place of, 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 of empowerment. And now we, we need to be connected to the vine. we got to be connected to the body of Christ. we got to be meeting in small groups. we got to be at Watts parties. And he's doing something. And now we get to a place where we're humble, we're empowered, we're connected. And now we can finally be unified. That Jesus is laying out a process for us to go and through, go through as a church to be the to be the answered prayer that He needs. We we can't skip to John chapter seventeen without first starting at John chapter thirteen. That we first have to humble ourselves before each other. It's humility. God says that He gives grace to the humble, but He resists the proud. My prayer is that we are unified. Because oneness gives God glory. I like to end this message where your journey in Philippians started. And it simply says it this way. It says, I pray with great faith for you because I am fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you faithfully continued the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it unto the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to close by praying a prayer of, of maturity. That God matures us as his church till we, till, till we get to this place that, that the process of maturing us, that we will be that he will put on his finishing touches to us. That right now, church, we have a divine opportunity to speak life into a dying, a dying world. And God desires to use imperfect people to bring about a perfect plan. Humble, serving, empowered, connected, and unified. God, I thank you for the plans and the purposes that you have for us as individuals. 
that you love us passionately, that you passionately pursued us. I pray, Father God, for each and every person that's listening or watching this message, Father God, that we begin this process of, 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 of maturing in you, Father God, that we apply your word to our hearts, that it cuts and it divides, Lord God, it's, it's a discerner of our thoughts. That right now, Father God, that you're revealing to us areas in our lives, Father God, that we need to submit more, love more, get more connected. I know that during this time of COVID, Lord God, it could be so easy to be to be pulled apart, Lord God, or, or be separate, or get easy to, to get not get in the in the custom of going to small groups or gathering together, Father God. But I pray right now, in the midst of all this, that we put our efforts into in, in staying connected. I thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to live and dwell on the inside of us. And I pray for words of wisdom and, and, and insight, Lord God, to speak into the lives of our friends and our loved ones. Lastly, I pray for us to be unified, not under a, a banner of Republican or Democrat or, or black or white or brown, that we gather under the banner of Jesus right now, Lord Jesus. I pray for you to unify your body. I thank you for the plans and purposes you have for the people of Smyrna, Tennessee. And I pray for continued wisdom on the leadership of Victory Church. That they, like the sons of Issachar, would have an understanding of the times and know exactly what the church ought to do. God, we just thank you for what you've done already for us 2,000 years ago on the cross. What you're currently doing on the inside of us and what you desire to do through us as we move forward. God, we love you. We honor you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much, Victory Church. Hope to see you guys soon.